about that site and him possibly being conned. Or the other two pieces of that mirror are probably gone or destroyed. Because, I mean, come on, how many times did Bella Lugosi move? Not that much. I mean, he went from um, Hungarian. Yeah. Romania. I mean, when he first... Where he was born and settled down in California. That was it. I mean, I mean when he started doing uh, Dracula, that was probably a mirror he bought. And this is a theory, and my theories are usually right. The middle mirror is the only mirror for all and other two mirrors that are being shown with it are probably not the right ones and probably those two mirrors with the middle mirror that is his were probably things that his family later bought because somebody who used to work, who knew of Bella Lugosi, that um, worked for him, ended up buying the mirror, and then he cro- then he died several years later. Those two mirrors, one don't have the same shape. As the as the mirror that Zach has, they're totally different. According to this picture, and then I do remember that episode because we have it. Yeah, I know. The mirror is the the main mirror is the exact shape. Pardon me, people. I'm gonna put this to bed real quick. Uh oh. Okay, let me show you the skeptical inquirer. Yeah, those people are assholes anyway. Okay, you see that mirror right there? Yes. Okay, you see how big that is in Zach's museum? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and of course, you got those pictures there, but that's not it. just wanted to show you that, and then I want to go to Bella Lugosi right there, his books. You see that? Do okay. you see the difference? Can I look at it first? Okay, these... These side mirrors... If you can look at by how this looks... Yeah, those attached. can be easily broken off. Yes, I understand that. And due to the fact... These things... With that... Is basically what's called a makeup mirror. Right. This part that Belagosi owned, he had these removed. So when he would do his scrying, he didn't have ref- something reflecting off of it, off of something else. So these fucky things, at some point in time, were removed. Right. That's what I'm, I know that. But these things, you're not going to find anywhere. Because mirrors like he has, if they're kept together, 
these things break off or the whole thing crumbles. Yeah, I understand that. But that's what I'm saying, though. They, he doesn't have the full set. That's what I'm saying. But forget these two sides, but look at the main part. Yeah. Do you see how big that is? Of course. Okay. It's just in, in Zach's museum, it's just in a frame to... With that, uh, this part, it was put in a frame after a relative of the of the bitch uh, who was killed several years later put this in a frame. Right. Because one of his relatives worked with his, with Lugosi. Yes, I know that. He, he did scrying. Yeah, and there's a light up here attached to the mirror. That Those can easily be taken off and Right, but we have the frame, we have the mirror, and we have the lights. Now I want to go back to the other picture. So you can see the difference. Yeah, slow computer, okay. Now, look at how this mirror is. It's rounded at the top. Now that can easily be done by crash. It's a very smaller version of the mirror. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that's the correct mirror in Zach's thing. I think that might be a replica, just a smaller version. Or somebody saying it's real to Zach to get him to believe it, for him to take it. But that's another mirror from something else with a demon inside. Well, That's what I'm saying. I think Zach was con into taking this mirror from somebody saying it's Bella Lugosi's, but as you saw in the other picture, it's bigger and not a full arch round. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay, explain how Father Sebastian said it is a real mirror. I don't I that I <laughs> don't know. I honestly don't know, but I think he actually believes it is. But I think there was another spirit in that mirror that got him to fall on his ass and hit his head. Like, we all know that. Just because of what Zach told him from this woman as saying, this is Bella Lugosi's real mirror, when yet you just saw the two different sizes. Yeah. And how it was created. Yeah. His is big and does not have that fucking arch. Okay. With Father Sebastian doing that experiment that he did, and due to the fact who Father Sebastian is, and he knows how to scry, mm -hmm. he did say it is the real mirror, but there is something attached in the mirror because of the murder it was in front of several years later right the but only I don't way think, I don't think it's the Bella Lugosi's murder I think it's another murder Bella Lugosi was never killed never murdered it was the relative that owned it right right 
So the murder that happened in front of it might have captured the person that committed the murder, the image, and it created something in it. Now, with that being said, Zach Bagans, I may not be, may have not have had a, had a way to get to Vegas to see his museum. Of course, that is on the to-do list. He does, he lets people see it, but he doesn't let them see if it really is. Unless they go up to him and ask. And if you want, and someone goes up to him and says, Zach, I want to investigate that mirror. Have a camera or two on me. Have somebody in the room with me. Nobody really has the fucking balls to actually do that. Yeah, I know. Sebastian, who we both know, because we met him once, who did do a donation at the hellhole that we were living in in Florida, who saw me scrying. And he taught me a few things about it. Because apparently he knew I had experience to do it. And I had other, other stuff with, involved within me. Hmm. He had stated that what I do is far different than what a medium does. Because I mainly work on energy. If I f- feel something with a, with a living person... My body goes through what's called either an anxiety attack or a blackout. If I black out, the energy to a living person is not right. And that's usually like on a negative side. If I feel the dead, which I do, and there's a lot of chaos going on, which everyone's seen and uh, seeing every single fucking day right now I feel it and usually that's not good because it mixes with the bipolar depression that I have which uh, involves my sleepwalking due to fact trust me I don't think many of you have seen a sleepwalker with uh, eyes wide open (laughs) and not the right color. I know in a way that's something paranormal, but nobody in the paranormal community has asked me to ask if it's okay if they do they do an investigation on it with uh, me being the, the guinea pig. But in order for that, it'd have to be a specific time of year, which we're in now. Which is usually the only time that acts up most of the time, but it acts up in other to- other times too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, getting off topic. Continuing with the uh, IMDB trivia for 2007 Halloween. At around one hour and four minutes... The actor who sells the guns 
to Malcolm McDowell's character, which I'm pretty sure people never noticed, is none other than the Monkees drummer slash singer, Mickey Dolenz. Which, that's actually pretty cool. Oh, come on. He's the Monkees drummer singer. Director Rob Zombie originally wanted Daniel Harris to play Laurie Strode and his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, to play Linda. But we all know how that how that was. The movie was not released in the United States on Halloween weekend. Reason for that because Paramike's looking at me like, what? I'll repeat it again. It's, the movie was not released in the U.S. on Halloween weekend that year. As was the original. For f fear of going head-to-head -head with Saw 4. Are you fucking kidding me? What? Every fucking Saw movie sucked. Far as I'm concerned. Same fucking... Same fucking subplot. Everything. Nothing changes except for maybe if... Whatever is considered games in each film. But it's always the same premise. And same slappy bullshit. Over and over. But... If you want to be considered a horror director, you don't give a fuck what movie comes out in October during Halloween season. If there's another horror film that, say, has a following, which Paramike and me know Saw does, you put the, the, the movie you directed... And release it the same month it comes out with another film to see who's what's better. Is Saw 4 better than Halloween 2007? And let that speak for, for you. His version came out, yeah. It was really good. Far as I, far as I know, they've won an Academy Award for something. My guess for best director. And Saw 4, they were nominated for the Academy Awards, but they never got the freaking award. Rob Zombie got the, the award for best director on Hall of Halloween, of his version. So, that right there shows Halloween, the movie, is better than fucking anything that has Saw in it. But, continuing, it was instead released two months earlier. On the last weekend of August 
that same year, 2007. Again, you're a horror director and you want to be known as one of the greatest horror directors, you go head-to-head with other horror films. At the fucking box office. You let the numbers of the box office do the winning for you. If your if the if the numbers at the box office from the time it comes out to the time it leaves for on other films to go up you count every fucking amount and and then you do the same thing with the other film if it doesn't beat the film you're going head it's going head to head on that means you may need to change some things in your directing in your movies as a director and if i remember correctly cuz i remember alex watching halloween 2007 when that came out and he saw saw 4 he, and this is what my brother Alex has said, and I still remember it. Rob Zombie's Halloween, the 2007 version, is way fucking better than Saw 4. Yeah, he may be, I'm not saying this as a joke, he may, be, may have been six feet under going on almost ten years. But he actually knew his shit. Way better than his other half as a twin brother. I know it may sound like I'm calling his calling uh my other brother's ass out, but he doesn't confront relatives. He he has sometimes other people do it. That he finds out later on could end up putting him in a really big issue. But that's the people he likes to hang around with. In the commentary for the film, Rob Zombie <clears throat> incorrectly states that Jamie Lee Curtis was in her 30s. During the original. When she was actually 19. This thing says during the production. Okay. So. Okay. Now we're getting two fucking ages here. Was Jamie Lee Curtis 18 or fucking 19? She might have looked 19. But she probably was 18. But there's really no information on that one. The hoodie that Scout Taylor Compton, who played Laurie Strode, wears in the film is from Sherry Moon Zombie's personal clothing line, Total Skull. I need to take a look at her clothing line and see what they look like. The film underwent reshoots as a to- as bleh, bleh, 
Take a drink of stumble. Does that time to drink anyway? The film underwent reshoots as a result of poor test screenings. Ooh, that don't sound that don't sound good. Ugh. That sounds terrible. These included a new escape for Michael from the hospital, as well as an alternate ending. I hate alternate endings. I think alternate endings in movies fuck up shit. Rob Zombie revealed making Halloween with the Weinsteins was a miserable experience for me. This is his account. Was a miserable experience for me. And so I was very reticent to do the second one. I did do the second one. And I thought, okay, well, the first one was a miserable experience, but it did well. So maybe it'll be easier the second time. It was worse. And as he continues, oh my god. Which I'm going to paraphrase, oh my shit. I felt like they weren't trusting me on the first one because they wanted to make sure it was a hit. And now they weren't trusting me not to fuck up their hit. Hold on. You're directing the movie after... You're directing the film after you were given the position. It's your fucking film. Fuck what whoever didn't trust... Trust... Detailing why the experience was not one of the creators looks back on favorably. He said, they would show me scenes from Halloween to try and make a point. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. I made that movie. Why do you show me that like I've never seen it before? We made a behind-the-scenes document, documentary, or documentary, for the making of Halloween. That was somehow gotten lost in the vaults. That shows how messed up everything was, and what was going on when we were making those movies. And continuing on. Of all the female leads, all the girls are supposed to be in high school, including Judith Myers. Only the actress playing Lori, Scout Taylor Compton, was actually a teenager at the time of filming. Much like how Jamie Lee Curtis was when she played Lori in the original Halloween. Was the only girl who was also the only girl at, that was a teenager. In an interview, Rob Zombie said he went into the meeting with the Weinsteins with two films in mind. One being strictly just Myers and his childhood, 
then the remake. Unfortunately, they shot the idea down. This is why in the remake that the first half of the, of the film focuses on Myers' childhood. Uh, was originally going to be another sequel entitled Halloween Retribution starring L Lindy Booth but the idea was scrapped when Halloween Resurrection 2002 flapped and instead Harvey Weinstein brought the film rights to the series with him to his own company Dimension Film slash the Weinstein Company and went with Rob Zombie's vision instead. Well, if that ain't, hey, I trust you. Hey, please, I'll stick with your version. I don't know what does. Is that Harvey Weinstein? Uh, it just says the Weinstein Company. Yeah, that's Harvey Weinstein. Okay, yeah. The crook, the criminal, the crackhead. Yeah. He's He's been trying to dig at his hands out of everything from other famous people because he's not famous. No shit. Due to fact, well, Weinstein figure, he did do the original theme for Halloween. That's basically what he's so hung up on. Yeah, crackhead. Daniel Harris was 29 years old. When she was cast as the teenage Annie Brackett, the movie was released nearly three months after her 30th birthday, but it still worked because she looked like a young teen. Okay. Now fucking movie. Da -da 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 -da. Going on a fucking tirade. Oh shit, she's going out on her soapbox. Run! Now, it don't matter if you're older than 18. If you look young, it doesn't matter what your fucking age is. I'm fucking 29 years old. I can play a fucking teenager. Or I can play a younger, better looking version of fucking Tiffany. How are you 29? My birthday just passed, dear. You're, yeah, but you said 29. I'm 43. Yeah. You're like in your 30, late 30s. That's what I just Early oh, 40s. Sorry, 39. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had a buster on that one. I may be in my late 30s. But. I can pass younger than I look. Ain't that the fuck? I look, every time I go in a fucking gas station or a fucking convenience store. Or a bar. Hold on. I'll get to that one in a minute. I go into a convenience store, fucking family dollar. Um, a freaking tobacco store. I get fucking carded. When I buy fucking cigarettes. And I'm older than freaking 18. So there's just something there. I can do way better than Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany right now. 
due to the fact people are getting tired of seeing her on the fucking films. Now. And. And when I go into a bar. And I want to have. Basically. A couple hours out. Just me and Paramike. Having a couple drinks at the bar. Or at a bar. He doesn't get carded. Whether he has a beard or he doesn't. He doesn't get carded. He just gets the freaking drink. Me, on the other hand, I get fucking carded. And I'm 30 fucking nine. Every time I get this answer, well, you don't look over 18. You look like you're 16. Even if I'm wearing a pair of fucking jeans and a fucking t-shirt, I look like I'm 16. So apparently, nowadays, if you look younger, or if you can pull off looking younger, you can get roles younger than what your age is. But when you're, uh, but I can understand if you're like 16 years old, 15, 16. And you audition for a film, which you come to find out is part of the Chucky films. I can understand why I got passed up to fucking Jennifer Tilly. She's not that great of an actress. And she hasn't really done anything award-wise since Bullets Over Broadway. When she first started. After that, she's just been playing nothing but fucking strippers and hookers. And I'm just saying hooker stripper, strippers and hooker roles. Not saying she's a stripper or a hooker, but the shoe floats the boat. If the shoe fits, wear it. Danielle Panabaker auditioned for the role of Laurie Strode, which ultimately... Scout Taylor Thomas ended up getting it instead. Two years later, Panna Baker was cast as the lead female in Friday the 13th, 2009. Another remake of horror. Which I heard nobody really liked the remake. They liked her, but they didn't like anything else out of it. Compton had also auditioned for that role. But lost it, lost that role against Panabaker. So, okay, that's kind of funny. One person gets beat. For a role they auditioned for, and it was, uh... Given to to the person that uh, was a, that wanted that wanted, you win the lead role in another horror film, and that person auditioned for that same role and lost it. Obviously, that's more. That's a fuck you. <laughs> you beat me once, but you didn't beat me this time. <laughs> Just like that saying. You beat me once, shame on me. You beat me twice, shame on you. 
Nah, it's the other way around. I'm just changing it for this one. Rob Zombie cast his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, because he wanted a tall actress to play Michael's mother, which would explain why he grew so tall. Okay, so I can kind of understand that, that logic. In the opening scene of the movie, the song God of Thunder by Kiss is played and young Michael Myers is seen, is seen wearing a Kiss t-shirt. Kiss is a major influence of Rob Zombie's music career and the inspiration for their makeup and costuming for his band White Zombie. Okay, yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. In an early scene in the film, the the movie White Zombie, 1932, is playing on 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 the TV. The band White Zombie, whose name comes from the film, is where director Rob Zombie first gained attention in the 1980s and 1990s. Okay. Shows how much uh, knowledge Michael McDowell knows when it comes to portraying somebody in a film. Malcolm McDowell, who who was Dr. Sam Loomis in Rob Zombie's remake, or Rob Zombie's version, has never seen the original movie. Um, here's a little bit of another another film acting 101. And this is shit I've learned from film school in college when I first went to college. If you get a role in any kind of movie or preferably like myself, horror films, I mean, yeah, I've been in horror films, but no one's going to see them. Simply because freaking, uh, movie studios that the person I was working with didn't consider me good enough or good looking enough. He thought I was I wasn't I didn't have the big big enough tits or the bigger ass. And look at me now. Those produ- production executives are fired. Or probably never made it in the executive film business. At one point, Dimension Studios considered making a crossover film. What? Um, hold on. I'm gonna read this again because I'm hoping I'm seeing this wrong. At one point, Dimension Studios considered making a crossover film featuring Pinhead from Hellraiser, from the Hellraiser franchise, which was owned by Merrimax at the time. Following in the footsteps of New Line Cinema's horror crossover, Freddy vs. Jason, 2003. 
a poll was was held at held on the official site. <laughs> but response from fans was negative and the studio dropped the concept. Now, if studio executives paid attention to fans when it comes to polls, that helps them get make better choices. One of the most complex scenes in the film was shot on February 26th that year of 2007 on the campus of Los, A- Los Angeles City College. The day shooting facilitated the use of 160 extras and about 100 crew people. Huh. The Misfits... <clears throat> Can you get me a drink? Sorry, people. My throat's starting to hurt. And I'm out of my drink. The Misfits were on... Were, yeah, on... Were one of Rob Zombie's influences during his music career. And the band's track, Halloween 2 is playing on the stereo during the kill scene while the couple are having sex in Michael's childhood home. Or childhood home, sorry. Also, Tommy's costume is that of the Crimson Ghost character, The Fiend. This character has been used as the Misfits band mascot since the band's inception. First movie where Michael Myers talks, which is, yeah, this is first movie where Michael Myers talks. In the eight films of the original franchise, he doesn't say a word. Again, he was a mute. He was considered a mute in the in the other movies. Instead of this one, Adrian Barbo's Bar, yeah Barbo's role was cut from the final finished film, but it was later included on the DVD special edition. 26 minutes were trimmed from the film for its theatrical release in Brazil so it could get a border rating which translates to more screening time. In the end it received a rating of 14 years. In other words, kids over 14 can watch it without parental supervision, which is in Brazil. But this is not the most restrictive available. Or, sorry. Kids over 14 can watch it without supervision. I'm going to have to start over. Now I lost myself. 26 minutes were trimmed from the film for its theatrical release in Brazil. 
so it could get a border rating, which translates to more screening times. In the end, it received a rating of 14 years. 14 kids over 14 years of age can watch it without parental supervision, which is not the most restrictive available, yet meant that the film could only be shown after 9 o'clock at night. There is an online interactive game in which you play as Michael Myers. I think you could still play it today, but doesn't say what online game it is. Heather Bowen was a finalist for a walk-on role through a contest on the official Halloween website. She won overall through a lottery-style drawing by Mustafa Akid at the Haddonfield 25 fan convention. Uh, I asked if you can get me a drink. Sorry? I asked before you walked out there. Well, it's uh, him over here. Oh. Momo. Uh, soda? Yes, please. My throat's hurting. First the- theatrical film for Hannah Hall. It's seven years. After previously working on The Virgin Suicides, 1999. Okay. Let me repeat that again, folks. Halloween 2000... The... Halloween 2007 trivia slash... Things... More stuff, things you might not know. Is the first theatrical film for Hannah Hall in seven years. After previously working on The Virgin Suicides in 1999. During 2013 interviews, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, 1988, thank you, where she played 10-year-old Jamie Lloyd, Daniel Harris talked about how she got the role in the Halloween remake and why she decided to do her first on-screen nude scene by going topless. She first heard about the role at a horror convention and her manager got her an audition. Harris said convincing Zombie to cast her came down to attitude and a willingness to go bare it all, to bear, basically bear it all, bear it all. Now what that means, everybody, when you're in a horror film and you want to do like a chase scene or, or if you're going to end up dying anyway, your character's going to end up dying, you want to have a type of attitude and willing to either go topless or just go fully nude, fully naked. Or as Zach Vegas would say, buck naked.
They asked me, and this is her account on it, during her interviews. They asked me how I felt about nudity. And I said something stupid, like, What guy doesn't want to see little Jamie take her clothes off? Okay, that does not sound right. That sounds a little, little fucking weird there. Let me take a quick sip. Give me a minute. Uh, much better. I'm going to read this, this again. And for all of you listening, send an email to everythingparanormal2021 at gmail.com and let me know what you think of what Daniel Harris said at the 25th anniversary of Halloween 4 where she played a 10-year-old kid, Jamie Lloyd. And this is what she said to someone that was interviewing her. She really said something stupid when she was asked how she felt about nudity. And her exact words are, which I'm reading right now, for a second time, because I'm hoping that's not how I think it's sounding. What guy doesn't want to see little Jamie take her clothes off? I don't know how you guys think about that lot of what she just said to an interviewer. But I find that kind of really more than just fucking stupid. She has to be the type, and I'm pretty sure she's a legit blonde. Daniel Harris has to be one of the dumb blondes on this planet. If you play a 10-year-old kid in two Halloween films, basically Halloween 4, Halloween 5, you don't want to hear the person who... You don't want to imagine the person who once played a 10-year-old, Jamie Lloyd... Saying as an adult, what guy doesn't want to see little Jamie take her clothes off? I mean, I can have, I mean, my head goes into the closet that goes in the gutter at times, trust me. Usually it goes in the gutter all the time. But that fucking answer. Basically sounds like you're caught like you're showing that you're not smart. Harris then spent much of the filming topless in front of cast and crew running from Michael Myers. She had no problem being naked in front of everyone. Because she felt it helped achieve the right level of vulnerability for her character. As it turns out, nudity 
was also part was also a major part of her planned reinvention. It was a strategic move on my part, and this is her adding, this is her recount. It was a strategic move on my part. I was facing the challenge of being taken seriously as an adult actor because I was still little Jamie Lloyd from Halloween 4 to most people. Doing a hardcore Rob, Rob Zombie Halloween film was for sure a no-brainer. She added that taking her top off and running around with her breasts exposed, might as well call it the way it is, with her tits ex exposed, bouncy, bouncy, also seemed like a great way to prove she wasn't a little girl anymore. And it worked. According to how she's explaining, all of a sudden, Jamie Lloyd had... Tits. Got sorry, I was trying to make sure I said the right line here. Ballsy, ballsy. All of a sudden, Jamie Lloyd had boobs, tits. So I was no longer Jamie Lloyd. I think it might. I think it made other producers and writers and studios go, okay. She's pretty cute. Okay. Wow, she's got tits. So they started thinking of me in a different way. And then I started getting offers for different things. I'm not sure if it was my performance or exposing my tits. But as long as I was working and doing what I loved, I don't really care which one it is. Um, if you were a kid in one of the other Halloween movies and you're an 18 year old adult and you want to run around with, with no top on and have your tits exposed, that is not the right way to prove you're not a little kid anymore. As a as a girl, it just shows to producers, writers, and studio executives to think, "Wow, she'll actually expose herself." This means we can cast her for any for what we want, and obviously she doesn't care if it's a form. Of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Running around in the birthday suit? No. The meaning, I'm basically trying to say something that basically says, I'll do nudity scenes because I'm not a kid anymore. That, that's not a good argument. That just means you're fucking easy and you're fucking dumb blonde. That's a good way to put it. 
And if you don't care, if people, uh, if you were getting offers, say, and you weren't sure if it was your performance or exposing your tits, that means you're a cheap bitch. Or a gold digging bitch. That, or three, one of my favorite numbers. Or three, you're, um, you basically, you'll probably suck dick for money. Anyway, John Hart, John Hurt, don't know who that is, was considered for the role of Dr. Samuel Loomis. Don't know who John Hart John Hurt is. The house was the same as the people under the stairs nineteen ninety one, which was really fucking stupid. And only one mile, one and a half kilometers, from the Epsis family home in Numbers, two thousand five. That's the Sandra Bullock film. More like a thriller. Excuse me. How do what? you spell that last name? H-U-R-T. H-U-R-T. As in, I hurt myself type of spelling. Okay. I have him here. He's an English actor. He's an English Honestly, actor. He's known as Sir John Vincent Hurt of the CBE. Uh, continuing on. Most of Udo uh, Kier's scenes were cut. Hope I said that right. Kier's, Kier's, how you want to pronounce it. I don't give a shit. On Rob Zombie's official Halloween MySpace page. Wow. MySpace ain't around anymore, but I'm pretty sure... If Everybody remembers MySpace. No, it's still around. I haven't seen anybody on it. I really don't care. It's still around. I actually have uh, a MySpace page, but I can't put up the show on it for some odd reason. That's because your freaking MySpace account got hacked years ago. Yeah, that's true. That's why. But anyway... And to think it's under the old podcast show. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but if I find out someone's trying to be you on a fucking podcast trying to take my shit, that motherfucker's gonna deal with me. <laughs> and I know a way to do it without touching him. Yeah, I know. On Rob Zombie's official Halloween MySpace page, he announced that the film's trailer will be shown with the double-featured film Grindhouse 2007. I don't remember a, f- a, feature- a film called Grindhouse. I mean, I may, ha- may have been homeless back in 07, but my brother Alex made sure I was uh, trying to keep myself from going nuts. Let's see. 
Okay, there was another person who auditioned for a 10-year-old Michael Myers. Skylar Gizendo auditioned for the role of Michael Myers when, he was when the character was 10 years old. But was cast as Tommy Doyle instead. Doesn't fucking matter. As long as, if you audition for a role and you get a different role in the same fucking film, SHUT THE FUCK UP! <laughs> Oliver Stone was rumored to be attached to the project before he decided to make World Trade Center. Let me say that again. Oliver Stone was rumored to be attached to the project before he decided to make World Trade Center 2006. Um, I think it's a little bit too soon. That was a little bit too soon to do something like that. But I could be wrong. The sheriff. Here we go. The sheriff. Uh. Sheriff Brackett, played by none other than Brad Dourif, is named in memory of Lee Brackett, a screenwriter and, mostly, science film novelist. Her long Hollywood career included co-writing films as diverse as The Big Sleep, that came out in 1946, the 1964 1946, sorry. Rio Bravo, 1959. And Star Wars episode... I think I've seen episode 5. Is it a V? Yeah. Yeah, that's 5 in Roman numerals. Okay, episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980. Rio Bravo was the inspiration... For a previous John Carpenter film, movie, which I mentioned before, Assault on Precinct 13, 1976, one, one site said that movie bombed, and another, another, one, another site said it was actually not bad. The original Michael Myers wore the Captain Kirk mask. Spray-painted white. Malcolm McDowell and Clint Howard have both appeared in Star Trek. And all but Brad Dourif have worked directly with William Shatner. Um. Okay. Brad Dourif appeared in a Star Trek episode. Twice. Is it the old version or the next generation version? Uh, it just says Star Trek. Malcolm McDowell, well, you watched every freaking Star Trek thing out there. Malcolm McDowell and Clint Howard both have both appeared in Star Trek. And all but Brad Dourif have worked directly with William Shatner. 
Okay, I got it. I got it. Uh, hold on. For Brad Dorf. Yeah. No, oh, come on. Sorry, folks. My computer wants to do dumb ads. <laughs> um, da -da 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 -da. Yeah, he was a, a special guest star, was his role. Yeah. And he was crewman Lon Sutter in the TV series Star Trek, the next, uh, Star Trek Voyager. That's what I thought. He was in two of the episodes because you showed it to me. Because it was like yeah. a continuation when he first appeared on the show. Right, but uh, they made him look like he was older. Well, th that's easy makeup for that. Yeah. For that. And he was also in Lord of the Rings trilogy. I knew that. Yeah, uh, there's also a bonus scene, and one of the trilogies where there's an ad there's an additional scene between Brad Dourif's character Wormtongue and another wizard, mm. where Brad Dourif gets killed. I know. Spoiler alert. You don't like spoiler alerts? Oh well. I, must I don't do episode. no. I don't do no. Uh, uh, what is it called? I don't sugarcoat shit. If you want something sugarcoated, go eat do a donut. Okay. <laughs> I must have missed that Star Trek episode. Well. Just by the last line, all but Brad Dourif have worked directly with William Shatner. It's basically sounding like Brad Dourif doesn't even know doesn't know who William Shatner is because he never worked with him. Right. Every actor knows who William Shatner is. Yeah, I used to watch I I used to watch the old version of Star Trek with William Shatner playing James T. Kirk. Then after. The show went off the air. He was the host of Rescue 911 on CBS. Yeah. I used to watch that. Yeah, you can't stand William Shatner, though. <laughs> but I must... Because it says here that Brad Dorf was in three episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. I must have missed that whole part of Voyager. And... I'm I'm still a big fan of the old version, but I couldn't stand William Shatner. Yeah, I know. You like the one with uh, uh, I can't remember his uh, full name, but uh, Patrick Stewart. Sorry. Yeah. You Sir like Patrick Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, you liked which him. is uh, was the captain of the Enterprise uh, in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, playing like an older version of Captain Kirk. No, more professional. But Brad Dorf did star in some of the shows with Patrick Stewart. That's what I thought. When, I guess, the way this thing is saying is that when Star Trek Voyager, Brad Dorf's uh, character crewman on the show, he did three of them with Patrick Stewart and the original people yeah. from Star Trek The Next Generation. Somehow it just went over into that which somebody thought was a good thing to do which I kind of like well fact um, check um Brad Dourif actually likes science fiction stuff 
Yeah, I could see that here. <laughs> outside outside of Voyager, yeah. he was also he also starred in Deep Space Nine. Brad Dourif. Yes. Was that a stuff you watched or no? Yeah, I watched that because oh. it went regular Star Trek, then Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Then Star Trek: Voyager. Then it came to Deep Space Nine for Star Trek. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of TV shows Brad Dourif appeared on. Yeah. But I just I just saw you know Deep Space Nine, so it's like oh, okay, so he was also with Critters Four. I wonder if if he was a Trekkie back then, before his career really kicked off. You okay? Shit, I gotta sneeze. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm wondering if he was a Trekkie before his career took off. Um. Well, from the original Star Trek TV series. I don't know. I mean, he likes doing science fiction stuff simply because he can, I don't know, like imagine it. Imagine, like, or picture, like, the world being in a science fiction style Mm. in films as well as TV. I mean, he did do Critters 4. I'm not a fan of Critters, any of the films. But Brad Dourif's character in Critters 4 made it better. I mean, he played a dorky computer tech nerd. Basically, that's what his role looked like. Mm-hmm. But he was really good. He sounded like he knew what he was saying. And of course, oh. that's the power of learning how to do, how to be an actor. Yeah. Outside of that, he was in video games. Brad Dourif was in video games. Yeah. Or his vocals. His voice was. What? In video games. What film? What? Yeah, films. What games? Um. Well, he played a villain, Savarod. Okay. In the computer game Mist Three: Exile. Oh, shit. Um, you used to play Mist. I've never heard of it. I never heard of Mist 3, but I know the game Mist. It's Mist 3 Exile was the whole thing. Uh, and then he was in another video game in 2002, Run Like Hell. <laughs> Sounds like a bad movie. <laughs> and he did a voice in Voyager. Okay. Co-star Kate Mulgrew, Milgrew, something like that. Whatever. And Enterprise guest star Clancy Brown. Uh huh. I don't remember Star Trek coming out for a PC game. I. I know it came out for PlayStation Two. But I don't know if he was in that one. Uh, and then it goes on. He also played in the 2005 game gun yeah don't remember that one well we saw well figure we were um well i don't think it was really advertised as much i think that's probably why and there's one more too uh in 2011 okay he was in a game called dishonored military game i don't know be honest with you. I, I really don't know. Okay. 
but that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I just got this sight, this vision. Brad Dourif. Well, let me read this one. Brad Dourif, who plays Sheriff Lee Brackett in Rob Zombie's version of two, 2007, was previously in another horror franchise from the 80s through 90s. I'll pause for a few minutes to see if anybody listening is paying attention. We have to get the freaking Jeopardy theme or something. Just to see if people are actually thinking the answer. Ah, crap. The voice of Chucky in the Child's Play movies. Now, with that, and due to the fact that Brad Dourif and it shows, he's done voiceovers. Not just as Chucky, but he's done voiceovers in video games. And there's another actor who's done voiceover known by the name Mark Hamill who did Joker in the cartoon series and in the video games, the PS3 games which Paramike plays all the time. I just had this thought and I really hope it doesn't happen, but probably will sooner or later. The original OG Chucky, Brad Dourif, um, verse, versus the new one, Mark Hamill. Brad Dourif's voice and Mark Hamill's voice doing, you know, their own Chucky versions in a movie where they're going at it. Now, Brad Dourif, if you think about it, he has more voiceover experience compared to Mark Hamill. Due to fact, Mark Hamill He's only done the Joker in the cartoon series. He, Joker wasn't in every freaking episode. He was in certain episodes per season. While Brad Dourif has done Chucky since 1988. And I would say he was just about hitting his mid-30s then. Or just, or just there. And you had Mark Hamill, who was maybe possibly the same age, or maybe a little bit younger, doing Joker. And he does the Joker video game, the Joker voice in the video games, the PS3. And then he does the so-called, what's called the new version People say in reboot, other people say new version. I say bullshit. Yeah, the only game that he plays Joker in is the one where he's dying. Yeah, but he's in what Arkham Knight. Yeah, he's in Arkham Knight as a ghost. Or Batman's conscience. 
I mean, not Arkham Knight. I yes. mean, um, yes, you're right. He's I'm thinking of the other one. Um, before Harley Quinn came in, I think it was Arkham Asylum. Where Joker's in that one too. That one was before Harley Quinn came in for Arkham Knight. Yeah, I thought that too, but then I did some research on that, and no, he was not in Arkham Knight. So someone else was doing his um, vocals. I'm sorry, Arkham Asylum. There was somebody else. Doing his vocals? Yes. Well, damn, that person was really good there. It's the other one where Joker dies in a th- in um, theater where I have to fight Clayface that portrays him. Yeah. And everything. And then Joker is up on the balcony and everything and he blows up the floor where he's supposed to get immortalized and everything but yeah. Batman destroys the the Lazarus pit yeah. in the game and Joker dies. In Arc of Night for the new version of PS4 he he's in there as Mark Hamill plays yeah. his voice. Of course. But then um, it's the conscience of Batman for yeah. letting Joker die and not give him the cure in the PlayStation 3 version. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. If you think about it, everything. he dropped it by accident. No, no, no. He didn't drop it. He got Joker came out of nowhere and stabbed Batman's right arm. Yeah, I know that. Where he was holding the cure and it fell straight out and broke. Oh. That was Joker's fault. But in PlayStation 4, he comes back in Arc of Night as the conscience of Batman because yeah. Batman let him die. So it's like it keeps going, but now we're doing something like what was done on a TV show. True. Well, I actually, okay, since he wasn't in the one that came out before Holly Quinn, but he was in the but you you researched it and saw that Mark Hamill did the one where Harley Quinn fully came in came into it. For where I forget the goddamn name of the game, but he creates the toxin through poison ivy's plants. Um, okay, let me see. Uh, while he's researching that, I'm gonna continue here. Robert Allen Mooks. Okay, that is like the worst last name anybody could ever have. Mooks. Was reportedly in the running to play Michael Myers. Actress Jenny Greg Stewart, Lindsay Wallace, was actually terrified when she first saw Tyler Maine as Michael Myers when he revealed himself. Again... That's why you get to know your co-stars before you fully act in them so you don't freak yourself out. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. At around 48 minutes, Big Joe Grizzly does an impression of Struther Martin from Cool Hand Luke, 1967. By saying the same fucking phrase that's in Major Pain. In a voice imitating him. 
the line in the movie is correct, but the subtitles added the word A before failure. More grammatically correct, but not accurate. This was Rob Zombie's first experience. Using the 2.39 scope aspect ratio, the camera model that he used, he was not comfortable using it for the film and returned to his preferred 1.85 aspect ratio camera, where its sequel was which was shot in the Super 16 format using 1.85, using the 1.85. Although he used the scope format for The Lords of Salem, 2012, wasn't too keen on that, but to me that was confusing, and 31, 2016, Max Van Ville, or Vile, auditioned for the role of Steve, but he was cast as Paul instead. The car Deborah Myers drives in the film, if anybody was wondering, is a 1970 Dodge Super B. B spelled as in the thing that buzzes on wings. Scout Taylor Compton was actually born in 1989, the same year that Halloween 5 Revenge of Michael Myers came out. Oh, the same thing, 09, uh, to 1989. It is said to, uh, it's set to be the inspiration for 17-year-old Jacob Evans of Texas to kill his mother and sister in October of 2012. Wait a minute. In his written confession, he claimed to have watched the movie three times the week of the murders. He also wrote, after I watched the movie, I put it in, put it back in the case and threw it in the trash can so that people wouldn't think that it influenced me in any way. Okay, now reading that, I wonder if that's, oh fuck, I think I just found, I think I just found where I'm seeing the parallel between the original Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. I think I just saw it, but it's not, it's not Ramirez, but someone else. Oh, it might be a story on the person, J Jacob Evans of Texas, that did it, that did this, these murders. Mm. Thought it was Ramirez, I thought it was Ramirez at first. Okay, the, the Batman game was Arkham City. That's what I thought. Which was 2011. Um, I have the entire cast here. I looked at the other... Yeah, Mark Hamill is in this one. Arkham City. As the Joker. Yeah. Where Joker dies. Sorry to throw that in there. Oh, it's okay. Cut you off. There's a bunch of other people. But then, if I go back to the new version... Uh-huh. If I can get there again... Because it's kind of tough. Okay, here's the new version. Shit. I, I find it actually pretty pretty cool how people over time will, will 
uh, watch, I might as well say, like, um, say, for example, how Mark, how Mark Hamill yeah. would teach people at Comic-Cons how to do his voice. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. But yeah, he was in here uh, as the Joker and everything for uh, Arkham Knight Yeah, and everything. Which he did play the Joker, but like I said, he was the conscience of Batman for letting ba- uh, Batman kill him off, not giving him the cure in Arkham City, which was supposed to be the last one. Yeah. But somehow when they made the new version for PS4, he came back as the conscience of Batman. And the person that plays Batman... Yeah. Also... Who uh, isn't the Bruce same Wayne, guy... Who also plays Bruce Wayne, yeah, Thomas Elliot, and Hush, yeah, in the original game, it's Kevin Conroy. That's what I thought. He's the one that does the Batman's voice. Yeah, he's he also did the voice in the cartoon series too. I uh, ju- he didn't do the whole the whole voice in every season, but he did it in certain seasons. I don't know. I'll look up more on that. But there's also let's see. Um, Jason Todd, Red Hood, Harvey Dent, Two-Face in the game. Yeah. The new one was done by Troy Baker. Uh-huh. Uh, Commissioner James Gordon from the GCPD, which Jonathan Bank, which is a good actor. He, oh, this picture looks like he's uh, almost close to Robert England's face. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising. Uh, let's see. Waylon Jones, Killer Croc, Steve Bloom. Uh, let's see what else. Penguin. Yeah. Or Penguin Thug was Lenny, just like in the first original movie of Batman with Michael yeah. Keaton in it. They put this gentleman in there to repraise one of Penguin's thugs this time. Uh huh. So the guy in Batman Returns actually does Penguin in the. In the game. Yes. Oh. Well, no, he doesn't play Penguin. He plays one of Penguin's thugs in the game. Remember how the, the character in the first original movie was named Lenny? On yeah. On Joker's side? Yeah. Until Joker shot him? Oh, yeah, in yeah. In the parade area? It's the same guy. Wait. The guy you shot in the parade area, uh, Joker's guy, the, his second hand, his right hand, right, was actually Bob, not Lenny. Lenny was in Batman Returns. You watched um, the you watched the one with me where it's where it's Jack Nicholson doing Joker. Right. It's Bob that he shoots. <laughs> oh, sorry. Because of the freaking Batwing. <laughs> well, I know I know that he, he had a character named Lenny next to him, and then shot him, and then Bob took over. That's how I saw it. Oh. Um, um, oh yeah, the crime boss. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his his name showed up as Lenny in the credits. Oh. It's the same guy that's playing now Penguin Stug in Arkham Knight. Oh. Selena Kyle, Catwoman, and Vicky Vale are all the same person in the game. Gray Griffin, beautiful female, by the way, by the picture. Okay. She plays all three characters. Probably because uh, they couldn't get, um, shit, what's her name? 
They really didn't know the voice for Catwoman. Catwoman was like a new character. Um, well... Due to the fact that if you, you go back to 1966... What's the name of the original Catwoman from the 1960s show? The one that... Julie Newmar. Yes. That's the original get Catwoman. Julie Newmar to do the voice? No. Huh. She doesn't believe in video games, unfortunately. Which is kind of surprising. Yeah. But Greg Griffin plays all three characters. Uh, Lucius Fox, which... I'm looking at the picture, and it's confusing me now. In the Batman games, he's an African-American. Yeah. But the guy that plays him is is a Caucasian male named David Fenoy as Lucius Fox in the games. I don't know. Which is kind of weird. Very. Uh, Garfield Lenz, a.k.a. Firefly. Chippin Friedman. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Gordon. Also known as Oracle and Batgirl for this version. Yeah. She, the other version, she's just uh, Oracle or she's just a kid named Barbara Gordon that has too much time on her hands. <laughs> Hanging around in a GCPD building with her father doing nothing except computer work. Which is ridiculous. Is <laughs> Ashley Green. Uh, Joker, like I said, Mark Hamill in only two of the games not the other two yeah um not arkham asylum but it sounds like him and arkham origins sounds just like him but then i realized oh wait a second the tone between mark hamill's joker compared to these other two yeah mark hamill has a certain pitch of course the other two just have like a low tone laid back pitch for the joker yeah Compared to Cesar Romero's Joker play, yeah. where he's he sounds like he's hocked up on laughing gas <laughs> too much. So it's like in the years when the game came out, it's like the Joker's been bouncing from laughing gas high to layback Joker to Mark Hamill's version. Yeah, which of, is actually over the top. Of in between of laughing gas high. Yeah. And lay back crackhead Joker. Well, that's what he sounds like in the cartoon series. That's what got me into liking Joker from the beginning. Yeah. Mark Hamill doing the voice of Joker in the cartoons. Yeah, the guy that plays Alfred Pennyworth, the chauffeur slash butler to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Is Martin Jarvis. Yeah, I think he's... In all four games. Yeah. Well, Well, I know... Um, after um, the movie Batman and Robin, the guy who plays Alfred, I think he died a couple of years later. Yeah, he did. And then it became Michael Ke- Michael Caine, who was a really good actor too. Yeah. But knowing, since we're speaking on uh, voiceovers for a little bit, I have noticed that people now are starting or trying to learn Brad Dorff's Chucky. But they can't get the laugh right. No, Mark Hamill tried, and then when you say that, it, that really sounds like Chucky's laugh, I'm like, no, it doesn't. I did not say it didn't sound like Chucky. I knew it wasn't Chucky. It yeah. sounded like someone else, and he doesn't even laugh. He just snorts and laugh but the, I knew it wasn't him yeah I knew it wasn't either because I'm like that's not a Chucky laugh that's not how Chucky talks no it's like Chucky became from being Charles Lee Ray the serial crackhead killer 
<laughs> to a to a six. What was it like a six inch or six plastic six feet plastic doll? Uh, the robot. No version. The, no, when Brad Dorf's oh the voiceover yeah, for Chalk. Yeah, he was just like what six feet or six foot. Something uh, like that, or six no, inch? the animatronic, um, the the animatronic doll that Brad Dorif, Brad Dorif, sorry, does is actually the size of the Chucky itself. It's just um, there are certain parts in in the making of the movies. Where it's not the whole doll, it's just portions. No, no, I'm talking about like the height of Chucky. The height of Chucky? He's the like two Chucky. foot so, oh, two foot five, almost the same size as a munchkin. Okay. Or the same size as a little person. Of a Cabbage Patch doll, basically. Nah, Cabbage Patch dolls were like, I'd say like uh, one, one inch, five, one... One point. I forget their size, but they're not as big as Chucky. Okay. I mean, Chucky stands. The Cabbage Patch dolls just sit there, so they're smaller. Well, I know that. I'm just saying, like, the size of it. Well, if you compare Chucky's size to the go- to the My Buddy dolls of, right. the, of the late 80s, right. they're the same height. They're they're two feet, they're two feet, almost two feet five inches. Okay, now what I was where I was going with that is like, Brad Dorf did Chucky, but yeah. for doing the voiceover for the doll, yeah, was perfect. Very well, well, I gotta go into the stuff. I have to find stuff on that. I forgot. I had to do um, every film. From the first one, right. I forgot I had to do that, but I will research that and find that question out for you. Right. But then now Mark Hamill does it, where Chucky looks like a Terminator doll. It. The way I see it, okay. And I said this on my rant that I did, which people I know people liked. Oh hell yes. Um. When you first see the trailer, you don't... There's a reason they didn't show him in the trailer because he wasn't... They weren't ready to show it yet because they were still fucking working on it. Right. When you see the film, if any of you haven't haven't seen it, trust me, don't. And you see him... One, his head is fatter. Even though they did go the animatronic style. Mm -hmm. One, the head is bigger than the original. Yep. The face... I don't know how to call that a face. Mark Hamill's voice coming out with no laugh except the snort chuckle. I mean, you'll hear a snort, but a quick, almost two-second chuckle. Right. There, you, anyone who knows the Chucky's laugh, if you look at the original, 
Mm-hmm. That's how Chucky's laugh is supposed to sound. Right. Mark Hamill doing it, doing a two-second laugh. You're not hearing someone else doing something that's been iconic for years. Right. You're not hearing the Chucky laugh. No, you're hearing hearing a two-second snicker laugh of Joker, which I fucking was pissed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still want to stop myself for sitting through the whole fucking thing. But my interpretation, and I really hope I don't have to, to do things you didn't know on that one. I really don't. You take the original Chucky, and you take a Terminator style but you kind of compare it to um, Johnny Five, where there's two Johnny Five films and one film where he gets pissed off and his eyes go red, right? which is the second Johnny Five. Mm-hmm. That's what you're seeing. And you're he- seeing Chucky, which Mark Hamill's voice... You're hearing Mark Hamill do the voiceover for the doll, but you're not seeing. Uh, you're not hearing what someone's version of Chucky at all. You're hearing Joker without the laugh. Exactly. And if you compare Joker's vocals. Joker's voice without the laugh compare it to Johnny Five when he gets fucking pissed off and you merge those things and you slide Chucky the uh, impression of Chucky in it it's like they all have a fucking threesome for example, here's a here's a joke coming in. Mark Hamill comes in in a bar with uh with nothing. And Johnny Five goes into the same bar with nothing but his eyes going red when he gets pissed off about something. And then you have the Chucky, the original Chucky look, go in the same bar, and all three of them have a fucking threesome. The doll in the 2019 version is basically supposed to be the new Chucky. That's exactly what it's what it looks like if you vision all three of them. But. The hair is not red. It's brown. The Mike Buddy Dolls that came out in the, in the eight, mid to late 80s, which they didn't last long, their hair is brown. But the clothing that, they're, that they wear is the same as what you're seeing in the reboot. Now... He, true, his eyes, 
They don't go red right away. Except for maybe one scene I don't care for. But, at the climax, where the teenage version, version of Andy doesn't want anything to do with him, and, you know, a pervy freaking maintenance guy in the apartment building takes the doll and puts in the hacked chip is when the eyes go red, right. when he's pissed. And mm -hmm. there goes a little four-way. If you listen to my, th to my little threesome, you want to add a four-way... You got fucking Terminator. Yep. That pisses me off. Right. Now let me intervene this. Yeah. My buddy doll. Yeah. Was a Hasbro product. Yeah. In 1985. Yeah. Now, if you take the original picture of my buddy doll. Yeah. And then in 1988. When Chucky was introduced, yeah, the My Body Doll back in 1985 had brown hair. Yeah, I know. 88, Chucky had the hair that was there. Yeah. But the facial feature, the hands, are way different. Yeah. It is nowhere near the My Body Doll. Well, facial eyes. The eyes, though, are the same color. Yeah. Light, baby, blue, teal color. Yeah, that's for the, the my buddy that's doll. That's the color eyes in the reboot. For the '88 version. Yeah. For Charles Lee Ray's character as Chucky. Yeah. Was blue. Yes. Not the same color as my buddy doll in '85. No. And the body is even more different because the body of my buddy doll. Yeah. Was nothing but um, that white stuff that you find in pillows when you cut yeah. it open. Yeah. Chucky was all plastic. Yeah. My buddy doll was never plastic except for the face. Yeah. I Not knew that. the rest of the body. I know. So I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> but yeah, outside of that too, it's like Chucky's a little shorter. Uh, just by an inch and a half short. Because my buddy doll has no neck. No, he doesn't. Chucky, Chucky has a had neck. a neck. <laughs> Chucky's got a neck. <laughs> so it's like there's a lot of different similarities between my buddy doll and Chucky. Uh, and here's another thing. Chucky has a rainbow long sleeve shirt on. Yeah. With overalls that are jean blue. Yeah, dark, almost like a de almost like a denim color, right. and red sneakers. Yeah, the My Buddy doll had a red jumpsuit, same shirt, but blue shoes. Um, the shirt it's actually a mix of blue, red, and white. It's a rainbow color. It's the same thing as what Chucky wears now. That but was... then there's another. Hold on. There's another photo of the same one mm -hmm. from 85 that has 
a hat on, but an orange and I want to say like a yellowish, dirty type color <laughs> for a shirt. And white sneakers with a red line. Yeah. <clears throat> so we have three different variations of Chucky from My Buddy Doll. Yeah. Then you have the 88 version all the way up. Yeah. To the last one that he did. Yeah. Then they came out with the Terminator style Chucky. Yeah. But everything has changed. Of course. Which is surprising. Well, remember, before the actual movie came out, or the reboot, they were doing specific screenings. Yeah, I know. And people hated it. Yeah, I know that. So the people working on the doll, the 2019 version, they went, okay, this is not going to be received very well when it goes out nationwide. Mm Mm-hmm. We gotta fix it. So the so-called rainbow shirt got changed to specific blues, red, and a white line. The overalls are almost the same as the original. With the only difference of the original overalls is 2019 version has a different uh, little different little little pictures on it. Right. The hair, they decided to keep in it. To keep instead of red. Because they thought, you know, we got the rights to make this. Oh, to make only this. Yeah. And it's... I'm looking at the picture right now because I just typed it in. And this is from Fox.com. Yeah. His face looked like it got hit by a fucking cast iron pan. I know! With... Fucking cheekbones, <laughs> a little tiny little fly ass nose, <laughs> oversized Bubba Gump lips, and the hair looked like like it's something that you just ripped off a fucking hairy ass dog that hasn't been shaved in nineteen million years. Fucking <laughs> on his head, and his shirt is looks like it's knitted. I told you. It looks like it's knitted. They would not change much of anything except for maybe a couple of differences. Yeah. They kept the doll's head the way it is. Yeah. Thinking... Well, not by much. No. But if you look at the OG and the rebooted, Chucky's head is smaller and has a neck compared to an oversized head with no neck. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, since people are now doing more Brad Dourif-style voicing or impression, there's more people doing his doing his style than Mark Hamill's. Right. I mean, I mean, come on. You're not seeing a doll that Mark Hamill is talking through. You're seeing a fucking robot. Right. Which... What can you do to a robot? A whole lot of shit. Yeah, basically. People want to talk, oh, AI conspiracies. There's one thing you can actually take away and add it to an arsenal if that ever happened. Yeah. The AI style or his style 
it, he can only control things it, of the company it is from, yeah. not everything that's electronic. So there's the downfall. Yeah, because uh, the site here says the new Child's Play reboot has amassed its share of critics even well before its official June 21st release date. Yeah, people didn't want it remade. They and, were pissed. And it goes on, those including the horror film franchise's creator, yeah, they who stole declined his to be involved with the new production, as well yes. as the many existing fans who have circulated hashtags. Yeah. Like, hashtag, not my Chucky. Yeah. In the wake of the complaint backstage drama yeah surrounding the new movie protective fans are also rejecting the 2019's <laughs> child play on its existing existence alone it's a remake of the original 1988 film jet centering the many sequels yeah recounting the backstory of chucky the killer doll. I like the backstories. And swapping out Chucky's longtime voice actor Brad Dorff for Mark Hamill. Yeah. Brad Dorff wasn't going to do it regardless. Because um, if he knew Don Mancini before he was even asked to do not just Charles Levey, but also Chucky also. And, and the shit that the fucking studio did to Don Mancini is nothing but a fucking money grab was what they thought is a money grab and his script idea from when he f- before it was ever called Child's Play right he did My Bloody Doll or My Bloody Buddy as a script concept when he was in college they took that fucking idea and said okay yeah, we know about this might give us uh, an issue with our movie studios, but we can only make one of these since we were able to win the uh, legal lockdown. Yeah. So we'll just take Don Mancini's first script idea, or second script idea since there was already uh, Batteries Unincluded idea, or a film called Batteries Unincluded. Batteries not included. Thank you. That was a good movie, and I loved it. I don't so, care what you fuckers say. I loved it. It's still the best movie out there. Could try to compare that to fucking E.T. E.T.'s the close second. But, so, yeah. They might have won that legal loophole, but if you think about it, people in the franchise actually won that. Actually really won. Because... Don Mancini has done interviews about it, about it before it came out. And he said, you know what? I'm almost upset about it, and I almost feel like I got backstabbed. The, my buddy idea is a college script that I wrote in college. Or a second draft, the second script that I wrote. I just changed the name of it. That's where they got the my buddy idea. Because they couldn't come up with one on their own. He didn't want to do it because he knew MGM with Orion was going to fuck it up and fuck with it. Yeah, literally. And the fact, yeah, they did reach out to Brad Dourif about it, 
But Brad Dourif is like is under contract mm-hmm. to do each Chucky each Chucky film and upcoming TV series next year until the day he dies. Right. Because he knows his voice is that iconic that people are did not want to hear somebody else. I mean, I do remember he was showing me a tweet that Mark Hamill uh, sent to Brad Dourif saying, look, I got offered to do it, but I'm freaking terrified. They're going to think I'm t- trying to take what you created and just ruin it. Brad Dourif, you know, understanding where understanding what Mark Hamill was saying, mm. but he said, look, those types of jobs are not easy to get. I was lucky to get this when I did. Make it your own, but I can tell you to tell you, just warning you, just because you're doing something that was iconic in 1988 that I started, right. most likely people are not going to accept you doing that because they know I'm still alive. But Plus, there, he kind of, you showed the other tweet he dropped in going, there's more people imitating my voice yeah. than yours, than you. The only thing they can't do is get the laugh down. But the issue is, the laugh they hear is my own laugh, along with my own voice. Sometimes, in films that Brad Dourif is in, he don't even know he's doing, he, he don't even know it's him. He, because of the costuming that he wears in different films, from the makeup, or special effects makeup, the regular makeup. For example, when he was in Lord of the Rings Two Towers, there was his name wasn't mentioned during the previews. Simply simply because they wanted to see if they would recognize him, which was actually the director's idea. And Brad Dourif, he was using what sounded like almost like an accent that, I mean, he knows different accents. Mm -hmm. And he was using a type of accent that would be considered like Middle Earth, like fantasy Middle Earth. Nobody freaking knew it was him until you see him like being um, hit, almost like hit with light magic from Gandalf in the, in, um, in the fucking, uh, in the, uh, the throne room. I don't remember you, a Gandalf. Uh. Gandalf was in Harry Potter. Not, no, there was a Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. The guy in Harry Potter has a different name. But it's, he's played by the same guy who did Gandalf. Yeah, the, the guy that plays in Harry Potter is the oldest wizard of all. Yeah. Was named Gandalf. Think, huh? Was named Gandalf. Yeah, in Lord in of the Harry Rings. Potter. In Lord of the Rings, his name is actually Gandalf, spelt differently. Oh, okay. Pronounced the same, but just a different spelling between the two movies. Yes. Okay, okay that makes In the throne room, you see Brad Dourif's character, Wormtongue, which still kind of funny with that type of character name. You finally realize it's Brad Dourif when he sounds like he's being hurt. From the white magic. Go with the line, um, I told you to take his stuff. <laughs> and he did the grunt in it. That people went, holy fuck, that is Brad Dourif. How the that fuck did we not know? That is Chucky. 
<laughs> okay, we gotta wrap up. I'm getting hungry. Um, I'm gonna finish. We got some stuff we gotta do tomorrow. Uh, by the time we get back from an appointment that I have, Paramike's gonna end up uh, starting the editing right then. Just try to get it up before get it up on uh, message on Facebook and Twitter, as well as our YouTube channel and website before before uh, midnight. My guess, because it'll probably take that long. <laughs> on Saturday, I will start off uh, episode eight. Um, excuse me. It's I mean, episode, episode nine. nine. <laughs> I will start off episode nine after the introductions. Yep. To fucking finally finish the Halloween things you didn't know for each film. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was this much shit. Um, I'm gonna finish that Saturday. Hopefully. Trust me. If, I, if we start uh, recording early enough, I can get through it. Get done with it. Well, no, I'm just saying hopefully. Yeah. Due to the fact that what you just told them that I have to do to episode 8 here by editing it, getting it out to our distribution sites, our website, this, yeah. that, everything else, and YouTube. Yeah. Be lucky if I can get it all done Yeah. while you're going through everything you have there. <laughs> I'm just hoping you don't start saying, okay, I need a break, time for you, and I'm in the middle of doing oh. something that's like, ugh, crap. Well, <sighs> I... I as long as I got fucking something to drink, I can barely th- barrel through it. Once I'm done with that, maybe I should put in the podcast studio's uh, refrigerator in here. Hang on, <laughs> I only have, I think you have one a few, s- several other pocket notes that I gotta do for 2007. Right, and um, the nuggets. Yeah, that. Then I got 2009, the Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. Then I have Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam's Club, get the fuck off my freaking email. Thank you. <laughs> uh, excuse, including liquor.com. If I want liquor, I'll go get it. <laughs> yeah, plus the stories I'm not going to be able to get to yet. And what of them happens to deal with uh, Halloween? Yeah, those I'm. Those are my little nuggets. I'll tell you when I'm done with the Halloween each movie of things you might not know or might know. And after I'm ba- I barreled through the rest of that, due to the fact I got other research I gotta look for after this one, after these, we're going to go do some urban legends after I'm done doing every ho- the rest of the Halloween ones. Yeah, gonna do the one that gave me a laugh. Huh? Gonna do the one that gave me a laugh and you a laugh. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm going to. Mama Cass and a ham sandwich. I know. What the fuck? That is. That's just fucking hilarious. Seven left. Yay. Then we seven left. Then we go to the next category is children. Mm. <laughs> I'm. I, I. I just saw the every title and everything, and I'm like. Uh-huh. No, there's. I no. don't know. About there's most some. Of them. I can tell if we've already have. I know the first one we did. Yeah. But it's like the rest of them is like, yeah. It doesn't sound interesting, but I think there's like two that do. I just can't remember which ones they were. Um, or the how way far from I, the bottom on, they were. Hold on. The way I'm looking at the uh, children urban legends from uh, Urban Legends Online, 
I know two of them we already did. Three of them after the... Actually, wait. One I know we did. And one, that's the first one. One we did, and there's four last ones in the uh, children category that we already did from another one. Right. So I can recognize that. As long as uh, I can recognize it, you don't have to worry about rehearing it. Yeah. <laughs> or, re- or me re- repeating it. That too. <laughs> but after I'm done... With the rest of the Halloween films, including the Halloween Little Nuggets that, that uh, Paramike found that he gave me. I'm sorry. <laughs> then we'll do some Urban Legends. Because a lot of people have been uh, asking per- Paramike on his Facebook to do more of. Because they're getting into the Urban Legends. And uh, we'll be doing that for Saturday. Even if Paramike's still doing a little bit of uh, putting other stuff up. Yeah. Just don't remember to kind of chime in on certain things if I need it. Well, Well, when I'm reading something, uh, you don't have to worry about reading along with it. Just, you know. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. But, when you know, it's like if I'm working on the portable video production lap, laptop yeah. and everything, I'm not going to be able to listen to you because I'll be having the laptop headsets on me so it'll be kind of oops it'll be kind of hard trying to transition well you have done like I've seen you edit um with one headset on and the other one like off to hear hear me right so you could probably do it that way yeah I'll give it a shot so that um we do have a YouTube channel um thanks to some twat fucker who took uh, every the everything paranormal? Of course, his he has to do, has to do the every paranormal mm-hmm. because we trademarked it. But apparently, he went through YouTube, so YouTube can protect him from anything legal, even though we trademarked everything paranormal. Yep. Um, an executive did reach out to Paramike because he person that list saw my our title and the other guy's title he looked at the timeline of what the guy was trying to say to him just on the title name mm-hmm. and ours um he what paramike was informed that the executive from youtube did chew out the other guy because he said yeah he, they trademarked everything paranormal mm-hmm before you ever had a YouTube with us, yep. they could possibly sue you, which in turn they would end up suing us, because we are allowing it. Right. So your best bet put something within the title, which separate. He has um, me. He has the name the every everything paranormal. Right. Podcast. That's what he has for his. Mm-hmm. Ours is everything paranormal. Yeah, ours is it's a little different because the executive uh, asked me to do it a certain different way, and it was accepted. I'll let, Just I'll trying to find it is uh, a pain in the ass. Well, why don't you give uh, our listeners um, the YouTube channel name in case they want to show it to other people they know. Yeah, if, it, if you go on YouTube itself, go into the search bar and just type in everything-paranormal-podcast. Yeah. 
uh, was it another dash space show dash 2021 in the search bar it'll go over to it look for a flaming microphone with a night night uh, time background it will say two subscribers on it click on that and it will bring you directly to our page on YouTube and you can see all seven episodes hopefully there'll be eight yeah and everything and you can start listening to it and everything which is awesome because YouTube uh, understands that we are adult content language. Yes. It's in the description and everything. And there's also another description is that we really don't talk political bullshit on our show. Nope. Not allowed. Unless and everything. it's in a story. And the executive is like, yeah, we're trying to stop that sh- stuff ourselves because it's not something we actually deal with. So they're cool with it. They also... Um, Wanted me to have a link to our website, which is everythingparanormal.gear.host backslash ep.html. Up in the menu bar, you'll see the YouTube icon with the little play button on it. You click onto that, and it'll bring you directly to the YouTube page a lot quicker, which is awesome. Also, if you want to catch uh, the podcast show on our podcast site, it is anchor.fm backslash everything dash paranormal on Anchor. You can, If you can't be at home listening on YouTube and you're like out and about, best way to listen to it on your on your headsets. You can, if you don't have the app on your uh, Google phone, smartphone, or Apple phone, just go to, to the episodes page, scroll all the way down to the bottom on the right-hand side, You'll see the Get It On Google Play Store app and the Apple App Store. You just click on it. It'll bring you to their download page. It is free to download either app. It's free. (laughs) Download it, and then when you sign in with your email account, just type in everything-paranormal, and our site will pop up. Yep. And you can go from there. Yep. Anyone of the paranormal communities that want to be a guest, um, just shoot us an email. Um, to, uh, an email to everythingparanormal2021 at gmail.com. And we'll uh, set that up. Uh, we, well, Paramike found a way to do it through Zoom. Yeah, Since I'll everybody podcast-wise is doing that. Yep. Um, I'll shoot her an email with the link, and she can shoot you back an email with the link and everything. And if you address it to her, that's fine. If you address it in the subject of Paramike, uh, I'll send you the email back with the Zoom link on it. Or you can just go to our website, and then it's on the front page down at the bottom right. So, with all that said... S will do it for the show. Yep. It is four minutes after eight on the 5th of November. And I am Paramike, and in the deep, dark dungeon of the show, (laughs) she is the gothic queen. She is the movie review viewer, and the one that will kick you your nuts. Yep. The gothic. I'm Paralore. And that will do it for us. Good night, everybody. Night. Wow, no laugh.